What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. everybody welcome to stacking the box college football edition i'm your host reed wallach joined as always as i've been all season and the guy who ran me down after trailing for much of the entire season beating me out by one game to close the regular season it is the great cody williams cody happy bowl season happy holidays took the week off last week we're back at it with our bowl preview what's going on man I'm just glad we didn't have a show last week, so I didn't have to take under 27 and a half and get killed by that safety in Army Navy. That would have just been a brutal way to end that. But I'm doing good, man. Happy holidays. Good to be here. Ready for bowl season. It's uh, basically been two weeks without football, and I'm uh, I'm fiending a little bit for it. Yeah. Uh, well, we have plenty of games to get to. We are going to do. This is going to be a four-part series. We're going to do uh, getting you ready for bowl. Uh, three-part series. Sorry, getting you ready for bowl season. We're going to do bowl games starting this coming Saturday, December sixteenth through the twenty-third. On this episode, we're going to be back next week, going through the remainder of the games a little bit heavier of a slate, including the two college football playoff semifinals games. And then we'll come back for a national championship preview, just that game, of course. So we're going to go through every bowl game. We're, we're going to reset the clock. Like I said, Cody ran me down by one game in our little regular season, a uh, little mono mono competition, but there's no hiding in this one. There's no picking and choosing your spots. You got to take one in every single game. So we're going to do that in just a second. But before we get to that, why not get some uh, free bonus bets by hopping on some of these bets with us? You could sign up with our partner, Sleeper Daily Fantasy. Sleeper is giving new users a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars when you make when you make your first deposit. And use the code FANSIDED2. That is the number two. When you sign up, and you will receive that one hundred dollar deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. You could use that code again, FANSIDED, and the number. Two, or you can scan the QR code if you're watching on YouTube in the top left of the screen. Again, the promo code FANSIDED2. Thank you to Sleeper, our partner. All right, Cody, bowl season. It mm-hmm. is, I like to call it more of an art than a science. This isn't your typical, oh, yeah. you know, power rating. We're going to, you know, we think this team has an edge in the trenches. This is more of a, okay, who's playing and who is still on the roster and who we're going to see in these games. And in some cases, you're not going to know these things until 10 minutes before kick, mm-hmm. you know, when, or an hour before when guys are warming up and you see someone's in sweatpants or someone's not even with the team, there's a lot of detective work that you need to go into to maybe find which side is correct, why the market's moving in a certain direction. I think people are starting to wise up to this type of behavior and mm-hmm. we're going to go through some of these games where lines have shifted from you know six seven points you know mm-hmm. underdogs have flipped to favorites because of the opt-out the emerge of the transfer portal nfl draft so before we get into this uh bowl slate and you know we start with the myrtle beach bowl any thoughts on where your head's at going into bowl season and how you're possibly looking to attack this 
Yeah, so I think that what we're talking, what you're talking about right there with the opt outs and having to do a little bit of investigative work to figure out who's going to play, who might not play, that type of deal. It's a lot more difficult, in my opinion, for these pre-Christmas games that we're going to be talking about today. Like when you get into the New Year's Six and when you get into the obviously the college football playoff, college football playoff, you're not going to have any opt outs. New Year's Six, even if you do have opt out opt outs or guys in the transfer portal. We know enough about those big programs that we kind of know what those backups are capable of, whether it might take a little bit more detective work to figure out, you know, okay, you know, talking about the Myrtle Beach Bowl, who's Ohio's backup quarterback? What's he going to look like? And that type of thing. So just you have to put in a little more legwork, particularly for these early, early bowl games. 100%. And like you said, you're going to see, you're not going to know much until maybe leading up to kickoff and, uh, there's certain people uh, that potentially you uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there, but uh, some people might not want to bet right until kick where they know all the information. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, like myself, you might want to get in a little bit earlier on, mm-hmm. you know, getting ahead of who's going to opt out, you know, kind of reading through the tea leaves of certain things. So there's no right or wrong answer. You could still get to, you know, winning bets and stuff like that, betting, a week before the game or right before kick, because again, you don't, this isn't like an efficient market. Like when Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship game, like that was like a highly, you know, we've had, you know, games of data here. This is a little bit more of, you might be way wrong or way right on these things, depending on how these teams come out and perform teams are much more likely to roll over in these types of situations. And, you know, I don't know if like the closing spread is going to be as indicative, like, Teams are probably going to way outperform and way underperform those types of things. So just something to keep in mind as we go through those games, we're going to try and get you as prepared as possible for who is already opted out, who might opt out, who is in the transfer portal, but might play in the games. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's the wild west here with college football bowl season, but let's get into it. Waste no more time. We start with the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia Southern, Ohio. This game is Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, in South Carolina. You got Ohio bringing a skeleton crew offense with them. They will be on their third string quarterback, Parker Navarro. They will also be without their top two running backs in Bangura and Allison. Taking out a Georgia Southern team that uh, really struggled down the stretch of the season, losing their last four games after starting six and two. They will not have their leading rusher, Jalen White. Uh, most likely, he did not play in the regular season finale. Have not seen confirmation on his status. But, Cody, I'll pass it to you first. What are your thoughts on this one? We saw Ohio open as a small favorite on a field goal, mm-hmm. now catching more than a field goal after all the opt-outs. One of Curtis Rourke, uh, their veteran quarterback. Total has dropped as well, 52.5 down to 48.5. How do you see this one? Yeah, I I would not dare pick a side in this game, but I do like the under 48.5. Uh, Ohio's offense, even with Rourke and Bangura and Allison on the field, was a bit inconsistent at times just by the eye test. Like they struggled to consistently sustain drives, particularly against the better teams in the Mac. I think we saw that quite a bit. And without them on the field, I'm not sure that we're going to see anything of consequence from this offense, even if the Georgia Southern defense has not particularly been anything to write home about. On the flip side, the Ohio Ohio defense has been quite good for much of the year. Mm -hmm. They haven't really had much attrition there in terms of opt-outs thus far. And so I just think 48 and a half is a little high for two offenses that, you know, Georgia Southern looked limited down the stretch and then Ohio is going to be limited with their limited manpower. Yeah. uh, I'm on the same side as you under 40 and a half. So, don't have much to add just some other things from my notes ohio 
they already play super slow, 110th mm -hmm. in terms of plays per minute. So I don't think going to a, you know, a relative unknown at quarterback, you're going to see much like change. I don't think they're going to open up. Yeah. I don't think Tim Alvin's open up the playbook here uh, with a third stringer. I think they're going to try and play super conservative lead on their defense. Uh, you know, Ohio was eighth in EPA per pass this season. Um, I know they played in the Mac, but to me, I, I, I expect Georgia Southern probably wins this game and probably mm -hmm. wins it comfortably, but I don't know if they're really putting up fireworks here against an Ohio team that is much stronger on defense, like you said, and plays super slow. So to me, I don't trust Georgia Southern. This was a team I was looking to fade. If the right, yeah. you know, part, if the right opponent and the right dance partner was on the other side, I would have been looking to fade them. So I'm not right. going to, you know, rush to back them, given all the opt-outs and everything on the other side. So I think under is a, a pretty good look here at under 48 and a half. Uh, let's keep it moving though. Yeah. Uh, the New Orleans Bowl later on Saturday, the um, this Saturday, 2:15 Eastern in New Orleans. So Louisiana playing close to home. Jacksonville State also not too far away. Got the Gamecocks. Get it, not being eligible initially to get into bowl season, they end up getting in, taking yep. on a raging Cajun team. I think fell a little bit shorter than expectations. While Jacksonville State had a big year really outperformed expectations hit the ground running uh they come into this one as a small favorite we have a total of three or a spread of three total of 59 and a half cody thoughts on the new orleans bowl two potential uh high octane offenses here going at it on the fast track of the superdome oh absolutely yeah i think uh i think we're gonna see a lot of points but i actually like jacksonville state minus three as the favorite in this one uh rich rod it has Zion Webb in an offense that has not necessarily been as explosive as we probably hoped consistently throughout the season, but they have flashed at moments. Now you're going to get them on a fast track against the defense that ranks outside of the top 120 in defensive overall defensive success rate this season. I just think Rich Rod has enough juice as a play caller, as a schematic guy to really take advantage of a bad Louisiana defense. Louisiana's offense, quite good, but I think Jacksonville State's defense is just slightly better. So I'm going to take Jacksonville State in the points in this one. And I think that – I think it's probably going to be a one-score game, but I'm I'm comfortable with them with taking Jacksonville State because I also think that, you know, this is a team that fought for bowl eligibility trying to get, you know, qualified, and they got the opportunity. I think they're going to take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, if I were to play the side, I'd be on Jacksonville State – even uh, at this inflated number, they've been taking all the money. I went with the over, though, for the sake mm -hmm. of our little uh, competition. I the over. I think there's going to be plenty of points on the board here for both sides. The real edge, and you mentioned Jacksonville State, but I think they're going to be able to run the ball at will here. They are. Um, Louisiana is 118th in defensive line yard, so they are constantly being pushed backwards at the mm -hmm. point of attack, and we really saw that down the stretch of the season as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's going to open up holes for Zion Webb in this Jacksonville State offense to really hum. Jacksonville State, fourth in the country in runs of 20 or more yards and 20th in run blocking grade. So I think there's going to be big holes here for Jacksonville State. I do wonder, though, Louisiana, it's Chandler Fields was initially the start of this season. Then he got hurt and he was mm -hmm. overtaken by uh Zion, Zion Chris and then uh, Woolrich a revolving door here at quarterbacks but yeah this came in and uh he's played pretty well uh closing the season last three games uh passed for uh more than 240 yards in all of them so Louisiana's offense I think is going to be capable I uh, like Jacksonville State in the eye of like motivation being up for this game fast track I think will suit them well but 
I don't expect a blowout or anything. I think both teams should be able no. to hit some big plays here. So I like the over, but I definitely agree with you on the side. I would lean towards uh, the Gamecocks. Yeah, I think we see the game basically the same way. We're just taking different angles for it. Like I think that's pretty much what our two picks boil down to because I, I don't see – Jacksonville State's not going to pitch a shutout by or anything close to it in this game. Like they're, I just think that their their defense has a slight ed, like slight slight edge in terms of getting a few more stops, not like an exponential amount more of stops. Yeah, uh, let's keep it moving though. Three thirty on Saturday, the Cure Bowl from Orlando, Florida. We have the MAC champion, mm-hmm. Miami Redhawks, taking on the Sun Belt runners up App State. App State moving from a three and a half to a six point favorite total has dropped from 47 to 44 and a half. Why is that Cody? Probably because Avion Smith is going to be out for Miami. This was the backup for the Red Hawks who is now in the transfer portal setting up. uh, I believe I'm saying it right. Harry Hessen to be the starter. He's the third string quarterback. I just want to say this before we get into like the handicap. Avion Smith isn't very good to begin with completed only, uh, I believe it was six passes in the MAC championship game to begin with. Yeah. So I I don't see necessarily. I know you're going from a, a bad MAC quarterback to a like complete unknown and probably much worse quarterback in Hessen. So I don't know how to really handle this. You're facing an App State team with a ton of explosive play threats, uh, big play threats at that. So a lot of question marks here. How do you see this going? Uh, two teams that were playing just uh, last weekend, two weekends ago in conference championship week. Yeah. And I, I think what you're going on with Miami right there, I think that's kind of where my play emanates from, but I like the under 44 and a half. I just think that we saw app state's defense, the Sunbelt championship game against Troy aside, their defense really took a big step forward toward over the second half of the season. It was kind of a problem earlier in the year and they really started to take a step forward. I think Miami, Ohio, and particularly in the run game, and I think that Miami, Ohio, obviously with a third-string quarterback when their second string wasn't any good, so if this guy couldn't beat out Avion Smith, my God, what is this going to look like? I'm not sure that Miami, Ohio really has a whole lot cooking on offense, but then on the flip side of that, Miami, Ohio's defense is not like out of this world good, but they are a solid unit, and I think that they do limit some of the explosive plays that App's going to want to put forth, so I just don't think we see a whole lot of points in this game. I think it actually ends up being a little rock fighty, and so under 44 and a half, I'm going to take that. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Under my play, this is starting to creep towards seven, and uh, I kind of like Miami at that point, even mm-hmm. with uh, the quarterback question marks. Miami's like a, a, one of the best group of five defenses in the country. I, mm-hmm. I really think that they're going to be able to slow this game down, like you said. Also, Appalachian State, I know high-octane passing attack, finished top 10 in EPA per pass. Joey Aguilar, the JUCO transfer, 33 touchdowns and nine interceptions. But when you dive dig in a little bit deeper, 27 big-time throws to 28 turnover-worthy plays. Mm-hmm. Miami... Again, this is a defense that is absolutely nails. Shut down Toledo in the MAC title game. Kind of lean towards the Miami side, but I, I agree with you. Honestly, I think unders the play. I think Miami's going to try and drag this game out. Do you know that they are number one in PFF's uh, special teams grade? No. So I think they're going to okay. try, and, try and lean on uh, the ground game, try and play the field position battle, maybe cash in on a few uh, turnovers from Aguilar, some underlying regression there. Uh, I like Miami in the game if I was doing it for like a bowl confidence pool, especially now that we're at like close to a touchdown. Uh, I might uh, bet Miami when we get a little bit closer to game time. 
but uh, under 44 and a half is going to be my look as well. I'm totally uh, with you there. Yeah, Hang six and a half. I can't. Game. I can't take at six and a half. There's no way I'm touching it just because that's such a you know tricky number to bet on. But if it gets to a touchdown or above, Miami's definitely the side. But at six and a half, I want. I don't want a part of either side really. And then um, while uh, we're talking about this, Chuck Martin four and zero against the spread in mm-hmm. bowl games. So I I wouldn't say like blindly back good coaches versus bad coach because there's a lot of uh different situations at play but that being said there's a little i again it's don't blindly back but i think it's something to keep in mind and if you want some more of that stuff uh go over to betsided.com i'm wearing the hoodie right now uh go over to the betside bowl bash tab on the top you'll find all our betting previews for every bowl game a bunch of other stuff upset picks trends and that great nugget about coaches against the spread i have every single bowl coach that is coached in a game. I have their ATS record uh, on there. So make sure to check that out for some more. So we kind of like Miami, but we think under is probably the safer play with the questions at quarterback. Absolutely. And and, I'm sorry, just to your point about Chuck Martin, like there's something to be said in bowl season about having motive. Like we talked about motivation, in the Jacksonville state game. If a coach is like showing a consistent pattern of getting his teams motivated for these bowl games, especially something like the Cure Bowl, which ostensibly doesn't matter all that much, like you're not hanging a banner for winning the Cure Bowl, you're hanging it for the MAC championship. But getting your teams consistently motivated, that means something to me. It matters to the good people of Oxford, Ohio, for sure. So uh, they're exactly. going to be up for that. We'll see if maybe they go to the the warm weather of uh, Orlando for that one. We'll see on Saturday. Sticking on Saturday, though, 545 kick in the New Mexico Bowl. New Mexico State in the game. <laughs> they are taking on Fresno. Uh, Cody, your state. I'm going to let you take lead. New Mexico State laying three and a half, total 51 and a half. How do you see it? Give me the Holmish team, man. New Mexico State minus three and a half. Uh, I, you know, I took a gander at the over here because I don't trust the New Mexico State defense. And I don't think they've given us really a whole lot of reasons, particularly when you look back at the CUSA championship game to trust them against a quality offense, which Fresno State certainly is. But I have more than enough faith in Diego Pavia, your boy, and Jerry Kill's offense and the scheme that he puts forth to take advantage of a Fresno defense that, frankly, has been middling and hasn't performed well against some of the best offenses they face this season. I think New Mexico State might be one of the best that they face all, that they face all year. They haven't had a ton of like key opt-outs in, like I said, Pavia's plan. So I just think New Mexico State just is able to simply put more points on the board. I know that's simple, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, I like New Mexico State. I don't know. It's getting a little rich, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Pavia is going to play. I don't really know where Fresno State's head at. The more I think about this game, though, the more I'm a little concerned about New Mexico State strength of schedule, and mm-hmm. maybe Fresno State just is like that much better than them. I think now yeah. I'm with you. I took New Mexico State too, but this is one where I, I'm getting a little nervous at where like the current price is. Like when this was like a pick. And it opened. I was like, okay, yeah, New Mexico State, like I like them to win. But now I don't know if I trust them to like get the necessary stops. But that being said, Fresno State head coach Jeff Tedford will not be on the sidelines for this one. He is uh, uh, due to medical reasons. So mm-hmm. not really sure where Fresno State's head at. I think we know we're going to get a pretty solid effort out of New Mexico State. Seems like Pavi is going to play despite suffering an elbow injury. So, yeah, I'm with you. I like New Mexico State, even if I'm a little less confident. But in the sake of the competition, uh, 
won't hurt me because I'm I'm with you here. So if if you go to if we go down the <laughs> down together, uh, so yeah. So we'll we'll see. I just, do you have much to say here? This to me one of the less compelling games, just yeah. Because you Fresno State, you look through all their metrics, just average. Like yeah, I was about to say, this just is like saying. this is maybe the most mid team in the country. They are just. Mm-hmm bang average in basically every category or New Mexico state. They have a solid run game. The defense is a little suspect on the back end. I'm just not sure if Fresno state could take advantage of that factor that in with the motivation concerns, I could see why uh, New Mexico state is going to get a lot of love in this game. Absolutely. And then another thing to factor in a uh, little hometown advice for you. Uh, we're supposed to get like eight inches of snow tomorrow. Oh, um, and it's supposed to be like in the mid thirties as a high uh, come Saturday. So uh, I don't think Fresno State's probably accustomed to playing in those types of no. conditions. So yeah, that's a little tidbit for you there. Any what? And so Saturday, thirty and like sunny or whatever. Like no, no snow on Saturday. Uh, no snow on Saturday, but it's supposed to be cloudy, mm-hmm. so the snow will still be there. That can it? I mean, it'll be like an icebox, basically. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay. Okay. I like that a little insider <laughs> tip from other locals. I. Uh, the nightcap gets started on Saturday's like massive bowl slate with the LA Bowl, UCLA staying close to home. They're playing Boise State in the LA Bowl. UCLA opened around like a two and a half, three point favorite. Money has come in on the UCLA side, pushing towards them. Uh, the total has dropped from 51 and a half down to 49. I think this is going to be one of those where we're looking the same way, but we're taking a different bet. So, Cody, how do you see it? Before I pass it to you, opt-out news. Whew, we got a, a few here. We got Boise State <laughs> will not have Taylor Green. He is now the quarterback of Arkansas, so he's not going to play. But they will have their star running back, Ashton Genty, on the field. Uh, I, Cam Tiller will be starting for Boise State. Freshman has basically zero experience. So, that's going to be tough going up against a UCLA defense that, while shorthanded, proved to be one of the best in the Pac-12. They will not have Latu, who is going to the NFL. They won't have their defensive coordinator and DeAnthony Lynn, who took the job at USC. And uh, on the offensive side of the ball, no Dante Moore. Don't think he was going to start in this game anyway, but Dante Moore is in the transfer portal. So with all that being said, Cody, what is your pick for the L.A. Bowl? I'm going UCLA in the points minus three and a half. I wish I, you know, we'd have done this a couple of days earlier and I could have gotten it at two and a half or three, but I'll take the three and a half still. The UCLA defense is obviously going to be lesser without a true, like, I mean, a first round talent in Latu Latu and obviously without Lynn calling the plays. But at the same time, when you look at this Boise state offense and think about it without Taylor green for as good as Ash and Genty is Taylor green opened up a lot more for this offense with his dynamic ability and his ability as a passer that, and he really progressed as the year came on. I think it's a great gift for Arkansas, but I think it's a huge loss for Boise state in this game going up against frankly, a UCLA defense that I think would have an advantage, even if it was Taylor green playing, I think there's just a physical component to this, even without law two that UCLA is just going to kind of manhandle them. So I like UCLA in the points. I don't think Boise state's offense really gets a whole lot going in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. A little concerned about UCLA and them getting up for this game. Mm-hmm. But if Boise State's going to win this one, it's going to be on their defense. And I'm not all that confident in that to begin with. But that being said, I like the under, under 49. Mm-hmm. Yeah. UCLA's been an under team all year. I know that we're used to like Chip Kelly, run and gun, high octane offense. That just hasn't been this team all year. No. And Boise with like, I mean, like 
Houston is just going to load the box. They have one of the best – their top 10 in pass rush grade. Even without Latu, their best pass rusher, there's plenty of talent here mm-hmm. on this defense, I think. Like, I, I think when you look from afar, people are thinking, like, wow, this is going to be a really exciting game. And it's actually not going to be. I, I expect it <laughs> right. to be, like, pretty boring. I think the next game we're going to talk about is going to be far more exciting from a pure entertainment standpoint. But to me, this is an underplay. I think UCLA probably – doesn't get a ton going on offense just given where this team is. Carson Steele hasn't been practicing this week either. Maybe mm-hmm. that's turning towards he's not going to play in this one. Like, I, I think UCLA covers, like, maybe, like, UCLA in the neighborhood of, like, 23-10. Something that like that almost feels generous. generous. I was yeah. thinking, like, 17-13. Like, this, I think yeah. this is going to be an absolute, like, Neanderthal mm-hmm. rock fight, like, just trying to make fire. Yeah. I agree. I, I think under is the move here between these two teams. I think it's going to be a, a super boring. Uh, I, I do lean towards the UCLA side. Like you said, we're kind of looking at the same way, just taking a different uh, angle. Mm-hmm. I, I like UCLA uh, quite a bit in this one uh, to win, and I like the game to go under. All right. The last game on the Saturday card, the Independence Bowl from Shreveport, Louisiana, 9-15 kick between the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the Cal Golden Bears. Uh, Texas Tech going to have a handful of opt-outs here. Not the most impactful. Taj Brooks, the uh, star running back, is going to be available for this one. But handful of receivers are going to be out. Some defenders also going to be out for the Red Raiders. Cal much closer to full strength, but they won't have their offensive coordinator, Jake Spavdal. He is now the offensive coordinator of Baylor. Mm-hmm. So we have two teams, great running backs in Jane and I and Taj Brooks, two teams that, uh, you know, it looked like they weren't going to be going bowling for a while. And they ended up, uh, you know, winning down the stretch to get there. Uh, Cody, what are your thoughts here? Cal Texas tech in the independence bowl. Yeah, so full disclosure, I didn't really uh, like a whole lot of the line, so I had to dig a little bit, and I, w- I found a Cal team total under 27.5. I think this game is going to be exciting. I think we're going to see a lot of good play from the running backs. I think both of these run defenses are a little bit susceptible, and I think both teams are going to be able to take advantage of that. But at the same time, as good as much as Fernando Mendoza, Cal's young quarterback, has flashed this season – Texas Tech, I think, presents a tough matchup for them, particularly with what they can, like what Joey McGuire and this team is going to be able to throw at them uh, with pressure. And I just, for Mendoza's shown a propensity to turn the ball over or make big mistakes and stuff like that. And so asking that Cal offense to basically just have Jaden Ott get them to four touchdowns, I just don't see it against this Texas Tech team. I think this is a close game. I think it's a tight one. I really. In terms of the spread, I don't trust either side on it, but I don't think there's going to be a ton of scoring, even if it's a good, exciting game. Yeah. Um, not sure I'm with you on the under there. I think this game could be a little uh, back and forth. Okay. I do like the Texas Tech side, though. I think the Red Raiders, a team I was off of early in the season, I think they're now kind of underrated when they play like competition. Like, I know, like, our last thing of them was them getting smoked by Texas, but it's a college football playoff team. That's not uh, yeah. Cal. But let's just go back and look through Brennan Morton, who was the backup, but, like, arguably as talented as Tyler Shuck. He comes in for the hurt Shuck, then gets hurt himself. Mm-hmm. He's been playing hurt with a sprained AC joint now for quite some time. Since he's come back, though, they beat TCU 35-28. They went to Kansas and won 16-13. They beat UCF 24-23. 
So when they're playing like competition, they've been able to win these games. They, I think they grade out as like one of like the higher end middle, like just good enough to get bowl eligible teams. Yeah. Now you get more than some extra time to get healthier. You have Taj Brooks playing. I think this sets up really nicely for Texas tech to get a win here. Uh, Joey McGuire in his first bowl game coaching for Texas tech last year, they beat Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that going for them. And also, if we think that this game, maybe you don't, but like maybe this game gets a little pointy. It's a pretty high total in the high 50s. Texas Tech, 14th in tackling grade. Mm-hmm. Cal, 105th. Both teams play really fast, but I kind of just trust Texas Tech's offense a little bit more, especially with Cal losing their play call or spav at all. Uh, I, I think this sets up pretty nicely for Texas Tech to get a win. So it's a cheap money line. In bowl situations, I'm a little bit more uh, – yeah more willing to like lay a money line price like a minus 140 rather than like take a two and a half especially these two really aggressive are probably going to go for two a lot you know weird end game scenarios uh again it's an exhibition so like teams are might just be like ah screw it like we'll just go for two and see if we could win um so i'd rather lay the price there so i like texas tech just to win the game outright I think that's the right side. Like I said, I don't really trust the spread on e- on either side of this, but I do think Texas Tech is just simply the better team. I think that, like you said about Joe McGuire, like what going back to bowl motivation, he had his team ready, a team that was, I would venture to say, far less talented than an Ole Miss team, ready to play against a SEC competition last year, got the upset. And so that's kind of where I lean on the Cal side, the Cal under is just, I think Joe McGuire has this team ready. I think without Cal, with Cal losing Spab as their play caller, I'm just not entirely sure that with a young quarterback in his first bowl postseason situation that I really trust all that transition against a relatively experienced and I know well-coached Texas Tech team. Yeah, I agree. Let's move though through the weekend to Monday, December 18th, the famous Toastery Bowl between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion live from Jerry Richardson Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. ODU has taken the money. They're a juice two and a half, total 50 five and a half opt outs on this one uh quite a few on the western kentucky side uh we have western kentucky down i believe it's four starting offensive linemen uh we have not gotten confirmation that austin reed is going to be playing in this game uh i would say this is using my own kind of detective work malachi corley undecided to play maybe he does play maybe he doesn't play uh, Corley definitely has an NFL future uh, with the backup behind Austin Reed, Caden Van Veltkamp also in the portal. It could be Turner Helton, the redshirt freshman, possibly uh, Tyson Helton, the head coach's son. Uh, yeah. That I that I can't confirm. But you got uh, so Western Kentucky. There's a chance that this team is like ravaged by opt outs and uh, transfers against an old Dominion team that won their final game to get bowl eligible. Uh, I believe won every single game this season, all six of them by one score. Uh, so they're, they're bowling. Cody, do you think they end their season with a win or do they run into uh Washington Kentucky and lose this one a small favorite? I have virtually no clue if I'm being completely honest with you, because I'm going with the under 55 and a half in this one. I, I don't have a feel for either of these sides. Uh, I haven't been able to trust Western Kentucky for most of the season. I tried to trust them against Ohio state. One of my worst picks of the entire year, but even against like actually like even competition, evenly matched competition, I still haven't been able to trust them. Old dominion, kind of a similar thing. They play close games and that kind of gets you into a real high variant situation. So they're hard to trust, but I do think that the under 55 is my favorite play here. 
although I'm not like, I would definitely not put it high in my confidence ratings of the plays that we have today. I just think that we're going to see a lot of sloppy offense from Western Kentucky, particularly because of losing it in the trenches, like going down four offensive linemen as a G five program. That's, I mean, that's almost in like, impossible mountain for any g5 team to climb like there are not that many good g5 offensive linemen particularly in one program to be able to replace that old dominion's defense is going to be able to get after it i think this western kentucky offense that was frankly lesser than for much of the season than we're used to seeing the hilltoppers is going to be even worse old dominion's offense it just simply isn't a high octane unit we haven't seen them produce at that consistently at that level so i think under 55 and a half is where i'm sitting i love old dominion Okay. One of my favorite one of my favorite bull bets uh, of the year. Love ODU. Talk about motivation. Team that had a win total of three and a half this season. Uh, revamped offense. Win a bunch of games by one score. Like maybe a little lucky, but I think that's going to manifest itself next year against a team in Western Kentucky that underwhelmed all year long. Mm-hmm. You was the West, was the Conference USA favorite going into oh, yeah. the year. Doesn't even make the conference title game. A bunch of opt-outs. I still don't even know. I mean, if Reed doesn't play, I mean, all bets are off. But oh yeah, I, I think ODU, we're talking like motivation motivation mis- mismatch all day, Monarchs. I think ODU uh, wins this one with some margin, too. I, I think ODU gets up for this game and takes care of business. Look at some of the numbers. I mean, you want to go through uh, West Kentucky's patchwork offensive line. Uh, that's going to be a big issue against Old Dominion, who, while they are vulnerable against the pass, mm-hmm. they're 34th in tackles for loss. Yeah, uh, They are 33rd in red zone touchdown percentage defense. So I think when this get, when it's scoring time for West Kentucky, if they're in that opportunity, ODU is going to lock up with this strong defensive line. That's the strength of the defense. So to me, I, I think that this is an ODU slam. I think especially when we get to game time, this one might fly up as well. Uh, I like the Monarchs quite a bit to uh, win and cover in the famous Toastery Bowl. Uh, again, like lay a cheap money line if you want, uh, but this is one where I'm a little, you know, I, I'm fine taking two, uh, two and a half as well. I don't think that the spread is in question uh, when this one's over. Yeah, I mean, we're under a field goal. So I think like if it goes over a field goal and you're more comfortable with the money line, take it there. But I like that handicap. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's... Um, I just I've had a hard time trusting either of these teams for most of the season. And so I can't really change that for bowl season. I can't get around that mental hurdle. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it moving. Tuesday, nine Eastern kick, uh, the Frisco Bowl between UTSA and Marshall. Marshall, Cam Fancher, their quarterback, hit the portal. Uh was pretty brutal anyway, so I'm not sure the drop off, but uh it seems it's going to be pretty apparent because UTSA has went from an eight and a half point favorite all the way up to a 12 and a half point favorite. And the total has dropped from 55 to 52 and a half Cody uh, or one more uh, portal addition as well uh, on the UTSA side. I mean, there's, there's ample of uh, ones, but like in terms of like the key ones, um, AAC player of the year, Trey Moore, he is in the portal as well on the UTSA side of the ball. So UTSA loses their star pass rusher, Marshall, going to be with freshman uh, Cole Pennington. I believe that's son of Chad Pennington. Uh, he's Wild. made a few appearances this year. There's no touchdowns, six interceptions. So um, we'll see how it goes for Marshall. But what are your thoughts here? Frisco Bowl, Tuesday, 9 Eastern kick. Yeah, I um, 
I feel like I'm setting myself up to potentially look really dumb, but I'm going Marshall plus 12 and a half. I think that's too many points, man. I understand that you look at the UTS, UTSA side, Frank Harris and Jeff Trailer, they're going to be motivated to want to finish out his career strong. But Marshall's defense is not like a pushover. Marshall's defense is the reason they're in a bowl game. They rank 37th in defensive EPA per play this season. They're a solid unit. Uh, I understand the offense is going to probably have some struggles with Pennington in there, but at the same time, I, this UTSA defense has been susceptible at times, and without Trey Moore up there to really affect in the trenches, I'm not sure that it's going to be the same unit that we've seen. I think Marshall finds enough success to keep this within a pretty like inflated number that, honestly, I would say wait because I, I have a feeling that the money's going to keep coming in on the UTSA side of this and p- push it closer to two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, another one where we're looking the same way, get into a different bet, though. I took the under myself. Mm-hmm. I think you make some great points, though, especially on the Marshall defense. I'm just a little concerned that the offense could be, like, really, really bad, and that could really <laughs> that could really be an issue. Marshall's offensive line is, I, I think, probably the reason why Cam Fancher was so poor. I, I, I'm not saying Cam Fancher is a world beater, but maybe on a, in a new team with maybe some more protection that could help him out. But, um, you know, Marshall's offensive line has been – terrible all year long as i pull up their offensive line numbers marshall 119th in tackles for loss allowed 118th in defensive line yards that's not going to go well when they take on utsa who is seventh in tackles for loss and 34th in defensive line yards so i think that this could be an issue that's why i like the under though because i think the defense is going to show up on the marshall side of the ball even if utsa is able to get some margin here two kind of trend notes Dating back to 2005, double-digit underdogs in bowl games, 54 and 40. So not a crazy percentage hit rate, yeah. but definitely you know above break-even. You would be profitable if you just blindly took those on minus 110 odds. You would be a winner on uh, 54 and 90 double-digit underdogs. Also, Jeff Trailer, 0-3 in bowl games, 1-2 ATS. Mm-hmm. Again, Small sample size, but maybe there's something building there with Jeff Trailer and Bull Games. So something to keep an eye on here. Again, it's a big number for the Roadrunners to lay here, but like I understand why the number is so big. Marshall could be a corpse, but I went for the under here. Hey, maybe maybe the spirit of Chad Pennington uh, inherit and in, you know infiltrates his son, and we see a classic Marshall quarterback performance. <laughs> we shall see. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's keep it moving, though. As we go towards Thursday now, the Boca Raton Bowl, South Florida takes the short trip to take on Syracuse at FAU Stadium, 8 o'clock kick. Cuse uh, Open has a pretty considerable favorite, uh, about a five-point favorite. This number has since dropped down to three. Total is up to 61. Syracuse, of course, uh, they fired Dino Baber, so it's going to be inter- interim uh, head coach Nunzio Campanelli. Take it on uh, South Florida, Alex Golish. First bowl for the Bulls since 2018. What are your thoughts on this one, Cody? I think we see eye to eye. Oh, we definitely do, except I'm saying keep the points. I'm taking the USF money line, plus 130. Just give me the Bulls outright to win this game. You're telling me that a Syracuse team that we watch consistently throughout the season struggle with athleticism that was above what they had on the defensive side of the ball, and they're now without their head coach and Dino Babers, and they have to contain Byron Brown, who was one of the most electric quarterbacks that in the group of five level this season. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I think with the way USF plays with pace, fastest playing team in the country under Galesh, I just think that USF is going to be able to put up points consistently. It's going to keep Syracuse on their heels with their athleticism that they have on offense. And frankly, I don't think Syracuse's offense is built to get into a shootout. I like USF in this game and I like them to win outright. Yeah, totally with you. Um, I took the three myself, but um, I agree with you. I'll have some money line here as well. I think USF is going to, win this game outright talking about like motivation and stuff i brought up first bowl game since 2018 first year at coach this is a program that's trying to build something up syracuse they're heading towards like they're tearing it down and Mm -hmm. in a few years they'll be back to you know you know competing in bowl games and wanting to be there under a new head coach but i completely agree with you syracuse allowed 30 or more points to every bowl eligible team it played outside of bc when it lost that game at home so I think that's going to be an issue. Um, I expect probably like a split atmosphere, but I think South Florida, the defense is vulnerable to big plays, but Syracuse isn't a big play offense. 92nd in EPA per play this year uh, against South Florida. Yes, that team is outside the top 100 in terms of explosive run and pass defense, but they're also top 10 in tackles for loss. They're hyper aggressive. So maybe they could put Syracuse behind the sticks and really kind of uh, push this Syracuse team where it doesn't want to play, which is a high scoring, like back and forth affair. I think this game sets up really nicely for South Florida to cover the three and, you know, for your sake. And I agree with you though. uh, I think win this game outright. Yeah. South Florida to me, when I've watched them, they, they have a little bit of blood in the water to them. When they smell blood in the water, they don't just like dial it back and try to protect it. They get even more hyper aggressive and they're already one of the most aggressive teams in the country on both sides of the ball. So I, I I just think that they're going to smell blood in the water pretty quickly against Syracuse and put them away. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Another Florida team playing early in bowl season. It's UCF taking on Georgia Tech in the Gasparilla Bowl. This game is Friday, the 22nd, 6.30 kick. UCF opened a five-and-a-half point favorite down to a four-point favorite. Total has been ticking up, now sitting at 64-and-a-half. Cody, not a ton of opt-outs here. Should have pretty uh, 
yeah. good attendance for both sides. Uh, two teams that play a really exciting brand of football. How do you see this one going? Uh, we got a ground game shootout in this one, man. I'm taking the over 63 and a half in this one. I just, these are two defenses that rank 120 or UC. Let me be specific. UCF's defense ranks 120th in rushing success rate. Georgia Tech's defense ranks 128th in rushing success rate. So outside of the top 120, or off top outside of top 119, I guess technically, for both these rushing defenses, and then two offenses that run the ball extremely well, particularly what we saw at the end of the season when they got healthy and they started having their full complement of weapons on offense with Haynes King taking off a little bit for Georgia Tech, and then with obviously with John Reese Pumley getting back on the field for UCF. I think this is a ground-based shootout where we just see both these teams run amok, reel off explosive plays on the ground consistently for 60 minutes. I honestly don't see a whole lot of stops in this one. If this game got into the 80s, it would not surprise me, but I think over 63 and a half, that's easy money for me. Highest scoring game of a bowl season, in my opinion, this one. I like I'm it. on the over yeah. as well. Uh, I, I think we're way good here. Uh, I, there's plenty of numbers, like you mentioned. Uh, both teams top 10 in yards per carry, and they both struggle to stop the run. They're both outside the top 100 in yards per carry allowed. Uh, both teams are regularly scoring 30-plus points. I think no stakes, two dynamic offenses, two poor defenses, points. Like, I, I there's not a lot to say here. No. This is strictly – both teams play fast. Both teams are going to be hunting for big plays. And both defenses have no interest in stopping them. So, <laughs> points. I Again, I think this one could quickly turn into, uh, like you said, 80s for sure. Um, I I was looking. I know uh, one sports book does, like, the weekly specials, like, highest scoring team. Mm, yeah. Uh, for, like, the, the like that day's slate. So, like, they have one up for Saturday. Uh, I wish they had like all all of bowl season. I would like mm. just take these two teams as like the highest scoring teams. I think that uh, the I think this game is gonna be the highest scoring game of the entire postseason, in my opinion. I mean, if that were offered at any sportsbook, I think it's the right play. I mean, like even if it doesn't hit, the logic behind it is. I mean, I think it's very very sound. Two bad defenses in an exhibition game where, let's be frank. There are a lot of business decisions made in these exhibition games on yeah. defense. So, and especially on, on top of that, it's business business decisions made in the run game. And so, yeah. with both these teams just relying on the run so heavily, I just I don't see a lot of stops. I agree. Let's move on to Saturday, our last day we're going to cover. Don't worry though, there's plenty of games on Saturday, December twenty third. Uh, we got the Birmingham Bowl. Between Troy and Duke, Troy about two hours away from campus. They will be traveling to take on the Blue Devils, who have very few players left on their roster and coaching staff. Uh, Duke, I, uh, Troy lost their head coach. I will say John Summerall, uh, but they have for, for this game at least retained much of the coaching staff. Uh-huh. Duke, meanwhile, not many coaches left, including the head coach Mike Elko, who's now the head coach at Texas A&M. They also won't have Riley Leonard. They won't have their starting running back more. They won't have Oban or Pebbles. There's two best pass rushers you combine for nine sacks. Uh, It's going to be a patchwork unit for Duke, and the market has indicated that. Troy's went up from a six and a half to an eight point favorite. Total has also ticked up from 43 and a half to 45. Cody, how do you see this one? Like I said, this is about like a two and a two hour drive from Troy's campus to Birmingham. So the Sunbelt champs are probably going to have a a pretty decent home, I wouldn't say home field, but like a crowd advantage, I would say, uh, for this one. So what are you looking for? Absolutely. I think you're right with the home field advantage. But 
I'm taking Duke team total under 17 and a half. Where are we getting 17 and a half or more points for, for Duke? I don't understand I don't it. This offense with Riley Leonard was slow paced, was not as explosive as even we saw last year. And now you, then you took Riley Leonard out of the equation and it got substantially worse. Now they're losing weapons. Now they don't have, now that offensive line is probably going to be tired because the defense is not going to be able to ha- handle it without their pass rush being at the level that it previously was. Troy, one of the better defenses in group of five, if not one, I mean, honestly, one of the better defenses in the country when you look at, you know, EPA per play and success rate. So I just don't see, I don't think the talent advantage from, you know, power five versus G five. I don't think that talent advantage is there for Duke. And I think Duke just really has a lot of trouble moving the ball. If they get to double digits, I would honestly be surprised in this game. So 17 and a half, I'm taking that and running. Yeah. I don't hate that one. I Grayson Loftus, he got better with more time playing, but those are like pretty mid ACC defenses now playing Troy, who top 10 in EPA per play mm-hmm. back to back Sunbelt champs. And I know maybe there's a case to be made like, oh, their head coach just took the two-lane job. Not a lot of motivation. Uh, to me, this looks more like a like the culmination of this program and like mm-hmm. this this like era of uh, Troy football. Uh, yeah. Greg Gasparato, the defensive coordinator, he's staying on and serving as the interim head coach. So I do think that Troy is going to get up for this game, especially being close to home and try and like cap the year strong and in the off season, move on to like what the next phase of this program. So I like Troy laying the seven and a half. There's some seven and a half eights out there. It's bouncing between um, that. It's a somewhat key number, a dead number. I think Loftus is really going to struggle to move the ball. This is the top defense according to pro football focus is great grading system. So I mean, Troy's defense is absolutely nails mm-hmm. uh, on, on the Duke defense. Like I mentioned, they're not going to have their two best pass rushers. Troy's offense isn't overwhelming, but they do have two veterans in Vidal at running back and Watson at quarterback. I think it's a matter of time before Troy gets some short fields and they just put this on them. So I like Troy to cover. I like Troy big. I, I think it's a early kick. Not a lot of hype here. I think Troy wins this one pretty easy. Yeah, we. I think we see the game the exact same way. I'm just, if not like just because of Troy's offense not necessarily being a bunch of world beaters, I'm much more confident that their that their defense, which is essentially a world beater with how they played and how they grade out this season, shutting down a Duke offense that is a complete shell of itself and a shell of a unit that wasn't over like overly impressive to begin with. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Camellia Bowl. Also at noon, Arkansas State, Northern Illinois. Game is about a pick em. Maybe one team favored by a point or so, but we could call it coin flip game. Total of 53 and a half. Arkansas State, they make the move to Jalen Rayner, the true freshman quarterback, and completely sparks their bowl run here under head coach Butch Jones. So Arkansas State left for dead early in the season. They lost to Oklahoma 77 to nothing. Uh, they actually scored 77 uh, down the stretch, beating Texas State 77. I think it was 21. So Arkansas State, they're in Northern Illinois. Will not have their star wide receiver, do-it-all receiver, Trayvon Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, game's a coin flip. I'm going to be honest with you, Cody. I don't have a feel for this one. This is, like, if I'm in a conference pool, like, this is my lowest confidence. I have very low conviction on this one. This game could go a lot of different ways. Don't really have a strong opinion on either team. Uh, but you're picking the side. What do you say? 
Uh, to say I have conviction, it would be a lie. So I'm not going to say that that's the case either. But I'm taking the the Arkansas State money line. It's at 118, so it's a reasonable price. Honestly, you'll see, you know, spreads juiced at that sometimes. So minus 118 on just to win the game, I'll take that. But like I said, don't have a great feel for this. But I do think that there's something to be said about the momentum that Arkansas State game, gained after the quarterback change. Yes, they're not a perfect team. Yes, there are some flaws in this team. But Northern Illinois is a very average or below average team in a lot of metrics. And Arkansas State has been trending up. And I think that in terms of motivation, in terms of building something with the Red Wolves program under Butch Jones, like building to something better, I think this could be a statement game. I think he's going to have this team motivated. So I like for them to just eke out a win. Yeah, again, I don't have much to say. I mean, I'm not going to be betting this one. But like when I ran through this game, I ended up on the under 53 and a half for the you know the picks part of this uh not a ton of confidence in this one but why uh you know no Trayvon Rudolph really does raise some concerns far mm-hmm. as he's the only uh player with more than uh 25 catches on the roster and if that like to me Arkansas State if they're going to be able to not really be worried about the passing game I think that's going to shut down Northern Illinois pretty a run offense mm-hmm. uh with Antario Antorio Brown Northern Illinois likes to play really slow. And Arkansas State likes to play fast. They are top 20 in terms of plays per minute. But Northern Illinois, their defense has been don't break. Uh, top 40 in both explosive pass and run rate and 25th in yards per play. So uh, Arkansas State, they're more of a boomer bust offense. Mm-hmm. So if this becomes like maybe the drive stall out and those big plays aren't there, this game can kind of drag out. So I don't really have an opinion on the side. Also something to keep in mind, both teams are really bad red zone wise. Both teams below 54%, 99th or worse in that metric. So again, 53 and a half is a pretty middle to like a average total. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we get that. Again, this could be like dead wrong. This is just like kind of how I can make a case for making a bet. If I had to, it would be the under, but I, I don't have much else. This is the epitome of a game where it's really hard to get a feel on either side. And when bowl season's over, we could look back at it and look really, really stupid because, you know, we don't, it sounds like neither of us have like full throated confidence in how this is going to play out in terms of the total or the side. Yeah. All right, let's keep moving. Another one with some questions all over the place. It is the armed forces bowl between James Madison air force game in Fort Worth, Texas, 330 kickoff. JMU was about a three-point favorite early on. Money has shifted towards the Air Force side. I think some of that has to do with the you know transfer portal and coaching news. James Madison, uh, Kurt Signetti took the Indiana job. He's also taken uh, a bunch of coaches with him. So yes. James Madison actually had to hire coaches to coach this game specifically uh, to just basically fill like the jobs out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a bunch of guys are in the portal. As of now, I read a report that every single one of them is planning on playing in the game. I, I'm not going to say they're not going to play, but, like, wouldn't hold them to that. Wouldn't yeah. say, like, they're definitely all going to play. We'll see what happens when we get to the kickoff. But few guys that are in the portal, just to be quick, Jordan McLeod, the quarterback, uh, linebacker Aiden Fisher, lineman Mikhail Kamara, corner Chauncey Logan, uh, offensive lineman Tyler Stevens. They also lost to injury Tyshawn Wyatt. 
and uh, their 15 and a half sack defensive end who's going to make the pros, Jalen Green. He missed uh, oh, yeah. down the stretch of the season. So a lot of guys out or possibly not playing. They obviously have a great year. They make bowl eligibility. Take on an Air Force team that fell apart down the stretch. Zach Larrier missed the last three and a half games. Might make it back for this one. Troy Calhoun is a notorious liar. Yes, Troy Calhoun, if you are listening to this, you are a liar. Uh, you lie about all your depth chart concerns. Uh, so we'll see if Zach Larry plays. He's really the straw that stirs the drink to this triple option offense. Emmanuel Michelle, their leading rusher, returned for the finale. Didn't play a lot. I believe it was like nine rushes. So yeah. we'll see if maybe like they were ramping him up and now he's good to go. Uh, Air Force under Calhoun eight and four against the number typically triple option teams are a play on team and bulls because tough prep postseason, low stakes no one's really trying to learn how to defend the triple and air force have been able to take advantage of that but obviously this is probably gonna be one of the best teams air force has faced in recent oh, yeah. history so we'll see how it goes but uh cody where are you looking for this one uh jmu air force I'm going with the under 41 and a half under that. Uh, I just think that a, when you go, you talked about, you know, JMU and their transfer portal players saying they're going to play. If Jordan McLeod plays in this game, there are going to be a lot of business decisions. And one of the things that has made Jordan McLeod very special has been his dynamic ability with his legs. I don't think we see a lot of that in this game because I think that he's going to protect himself or whatever that next job may be. And I think that another factor kind of narratively going into this, if James Madison was 12-0 and 0 coming into this game, if they hadn't lost that game to Appalachian State, I think we might see a little bit more motivation, a little bit fewer of those business decisions. On the flip side of that, you talk about Air Force's advantage on offense with the triple option being, you know, teams don't really practice and aren't prepared for it. Well, JMU has had two weeks to prepare for this game. So, like, they have an like ex, uh, expanded timetable to get at least moderately more ready than other opponents might. And on top of that, when we talk about service academy unders, the reason that is obviously is because of the pay, like the slow pace and the clock's always running. That's not going to change with Air Force. And I think that, frankly, we're just not going to see a lot of points. I think it's going to be another game that kind of goes into that rock fight category. And under 41 and a half, yes, it's a low total, but I just don't see either of these offenses, even if Larry plays or not, I just don't see a, a big number being put on the board by either of these teams. Yeah, that's fair. I took Air Force. Okay. I maybe this blows up in my face. I don't know. I just seems like a lot of wishy-washy stuff coming from the JMU side. Tough mm-hmm. prep eight uh, eight and four, like I said, Air Force. And that being said, I think that Air Force their defense has still proven to be one of the better units. I know the strength of schedule thing could be brought up, but this. If it's not going to be McLeod or if this offense is going to take any sort of step back, that's really going to be an issue because Air Force, 32nd in EPA per play on defense. And if it's not McLeod, big issues there because JMU's run game is bottom 10 in terms of EPA per play this season. So it's been a lot of McLeod creating plays downfield with his arm. So maybe I'm taking a chance and this blows up in my face, but I like Air Force. I think they end up winning this game. Just going to trust the service academy in a bowl game. Low total more uh more reason to take the dog i i like this one especially like brand new coaching staff trying to coach up a triple feel like that could get a little dicey oh absolutely like the coaching staff thing can't be underrated like if it was just signetti then maybe we we'd be having a different conversation but 
with i mean hiring coaches to coach in the bowl game is a wild wild scenario to be yeah. in and it's not one that gives me a whole lot of confidence in the dukes for this one yeah all right let's keep it moving to the this bowl changed names i didn't look up which it was before but the uh oh we're doing oh, i skipped one but uh the next one uh is one that I know, but we're doing the famous Idaho potato bowl. This game I, I know very well. Oh yes. Uh, Georgia state, Utah state questions on both sides of the ball. Georgia state has some uh, transfer concerns. Sean Carroll, their uh, leading rusher is in the portal. He transferred to Missouri, so he's not going to play handful of other guys also in the portal, but Elliot's the big one. Utah state, not a lot of clarity yet on who is going to start. They've started three different guys this year. Uh, Laga, Hillebrand, and Levi Williams, a former Wyoming Wyoming transfer. Williams mm-hmm. finished the season under center, got Utah State to this game with 300 combined yards uh, rushing and throwing in the win against New Mexico in double overtime. So maybe it's Williams. He also said that he's going to join the Navy SEALs after this football season. So I don't, I don't know how this one goes. But... <laughs> Before we get into the handicap, if it is Williams, he has a lot of experience against both these teams and in this bowl game. Uh, In 2019, he played Georgia State, uh, combined for over 300 yards, beat Georgia State in the Arizona Bowl 38-17 when he was the starter at Wyoming. And then as the starter at Wyoming, he went to this very bowl game in 2021 and beat Kent State 52-28, combining for five touchdowns, including 200 yards on the ground. So, Maybe like just let Levi Williams cook in this one. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I'm drawing a blank. Uh, drawing a blank on the Blake Anderson. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Let him let him cook. I don't have a strong opinion on side. I probably would lean towards the Utah State side, just given all the questions on Georgia State. But for me, I like the over. Mm-hmm. You have two really bad rush defenses, and Georgia State. I believe that their scheme is going to dictate this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, like I said, at the top 100 in tackling and yards per carry allowed. Even with that, Elliot, I think Georgia State with Darren Granger at quarterback is going to be able to cook a little bit and find some big plays. And Utah State, I, I think, should have little issue putting up points against Georgia State. So, again, quarterback concerns make me a little nervous on the Utah State side, but I think points for sure. I think this game could uh, get fun. I guess weather could play a role, but for the sake of picking this one, I like the over. Weather doesn't account for the need, the desire to uh, get the French fry bath, which is what everyone's playing for in the famous Idaho potato bowl is the French fry bath. I'm with you though. It's the over. I don't have a great feeling on either side of this game either, but I do know that both of these defenses are suspect. Like you said, against the run, neither of them are particularly adept against the pass either. I would prefer that Levi Williams play for Utah state, but in, in any case, these are two, relatively fast-paced teams utah state much more so i think they're top 10 in plays per game whereas georgia uh georgia state i believe is top 60 so still hot like above average in terms of pace i just think we see a lot of explosive plays and even if we don't see explosive plays both of these teams moving fast so i love the over 61 and a half which is where the number was right uh, pre-show yeah I, I like the over as well uh again just a lot of uh depth chart questions for this one so keep an eye out on that but chain smokers we go down we go down together um okay this is the bowl i i don't know what this bowl took over for but it's the 68 ventures bowl between Mm -hmm. south alabama and eastern michigan not sure this is a new bowl name just a new sponsor i'm just not sure what it was in the past this one is seven o'clock eastern 
in Mobile, Alabama. So right in South Alabama's backyard. Uh, Eastern Michigan, I think there's a fair case that this is the worst bowl team in the pool this year. Uh, And it's reflecting the point spread. Uh, Outside the Oregon Liberty game, this is the biggest point spread on the board. South Alabama is a 16-point favorite, total of 47.5. Cody, thoughts on the 68 Ventures Bowl? Uh, so first off, it was the Lending Tree Bowl previously. Okay. Before that, the Dollar uh, the Dollar General Bowl. So it's changed a lot in like the past five years. So okay. I think they just I can't find a sponsor else. for this one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. Frankly, I don't know what Sixty Eight Ventures is. What is? What do they do? I guess Sixty Eight Ventures. But anyway, <laughs> I like I like the under forty seven and a half in this game. When you look at South Alabama, it seems like uh, Lacey, their star wide receiver, he's in the portal, and I don't think he's going to play for this game. The last I checked, and that's a big problem for the Jaguars offense. Uh, he accounted for basically half of the team's receiving guards this season. And I understand that Eastern Michigan is a pretty, pretty poor team, just top to bottom. Like, like you said, probably the worst bowl team, even worse than five and seven Minnesota sneaking in there, which we'll talk about in our next show. But I just don't think that the South Alabama offense, which has been lesser than I expected coming into the season and than most people expected coming into the season based on all the experience that we that they had coming back, I just don't see them being able to be as functional as they need to be to really help push this total over. I don't see Eastern Michigan scoring a ton in this game because South Alabama's defense is fine, even if it's not great. But I just don't think that South Alabama puts a big number up on the scoreboard, which I think they would have to do the heavy lifting to get over 47, 47 and a half. I agree. I, I'm going to take Eastern Michigan, though. Why? Oh, this might blow up in my face. Low confidence for sure. But this South Alabama team, really tough team to get a read on. How about this one? Do you know that they were double-digit favorites seven times this season and they went four and three straight up in those games? They lost three oh, times gosh. straight up as double-digit favorites. Just weird team. Yeah, They have a lot of talent, no doubt about it. They are far and away better. But are they going to show up for this one? It's up for debate. I mean, last year, bowl game, they got smoked by Western Kentucky. Yes. A team where Austin Reed was in and out of the portal, wasn't even practicing, and the next thing you know, he shows up and they cook South Alabama in that bowl game. So just something to keep in mind. Um, I'm not sure Eastern Michigan is going to score here. Their starting quarterback, Austin Smith, hit the portal. Uh, it's going to be like in – I'm going to butcher this name, but Indawugdu, the third run first quarterback. I don't know how they're going to get this one home. I just think let's just like slow this game down. They play dead slow anyway. They're bottom 10 in terms of plays per minute. Maybe break a few runs again. South Alabama has been prone to laying some eggs here. It's just a big number. And I mentioned yeah. earlier, 54 and 40 against the spread, uh, double digit dogs. Uh, Chris Creighton is four and one in bowl games against the number. Okay. Maybe we see something from Eastern Michigan on the ground. And they could kind of choke this game away. It definitely correlates to your underplay. I just, I don't have a strong opinion anywhere. So, uh, you know, I took the points with Eastern Michigan, but like, yeah, South Alabama could absolutely smoke them. They beat ULM and Southern Miss. It combined like one ten to 10 across two weeks. So like they're definitely capable, but they're also capable of losing to a Mac team like central Michigan. So, it's yeah. up and down with this team. So hopefully I catch them on the right night and they could cover like a mat and Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Eastern Michigan could cover a massive number. Absolutely. And to your point, like with Udingwu, I believe is how you say it. I'm, we're totally guessing on that. We're not pronunciation experts, but uh, 
I think adding that level of mobility, because Smith is not a mobile quarterback, I think adding that level of mobility actually works in Eastern Michigan's favor because, frankly, South Alabama is not going to have tape on how to defend an offense that has that features a mobile quarterback. So I think it does give Eastern Michigan like a little bit of hope, especially at plus 16 and a half. Like that is a massive number. Yeah, I think on Saturday, though, this game kicks off at seven. I think more people are going to be interested in the 730 game between Utah Northwestern in the Las Vegas Bowl. You got some questions on the Utah side in terms of odd doubts, but Bryson Barnes, who ended up taking over as the starter throughout the year, uh, he hit, he's in the portal, but he already committed that he's going to play. Mm-hmm. So this is one where I actually trust that he's actually going to play. He said, I'm playing in the game, 100% want to leave the team behind, yada, yada, yada. They won't have their leading receiver, though, Deshaun uh, Vele. He's in the portal, and he's opting out of this one. Taking out a Northwestern team that we've spoken about this team on the show this year. David Braun deserves, like, a ton of credit for how oh we got gosh. the team together. Yeah, fully with them. I, I think this is a really great story. Really tough matchup for a bowl game. Uh, they are catching seven, total 41 and a half. So not a lot of points expected here. Cody, you go in total, you go inside. What are your thoughts on the Las Vegas Bowl? It's a tough matchup, but give me Northwestern uh, plus seven in this one. I I think this is a this is honestly a pure gut play. There aren't a whole lot of numbers that really support my decision. A, I don't trust Bryson Barnes. We saw this Utah team kind of fade a little bit in like the magic that they had to keep this rolling even without Cam rising. We saw that fade a little bit towards the end of the year. And on the flip side of that, we saw this Northwestern team really coalesce. Why we're giving David Braun all this credit because they coalesced when everyone thought they were just going to be a dumpster fire, uh, someone just walk over, a walking map for every other team. They're not. I think that they... This team, now that David Braun has been officially hired as well, I think we see a lot of motivation on this on this Northwestern side, whereas you look at Utah on the flip side of that, they played in New Year's Six Bowls the past couple of years. They're not like, why are they going to get up for the Las Vegas Bowl? Even if Bryson Barnes is back, I just don't mm-hmm. think he's that he's that much of a difference maker. So I just, I like getting a touchdown with Northwestern, who I think is going to be the more motivated team, a team that we've seen has been well coached and probably coached above their talent level to Keep this one close against Utah. I don't think they win outright, but I do think they keep it close. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think Utah, this is like a huge drop in competition for them after like playing the high-flying Pac-12 teams. I, I think Utah, like like if Utah was, because like they turned out to be kind of like a Big Ten team. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> if they were in the Big Ten West, they would win the Big Ten West like it would passing color flying colors so mm-hmm. i kind of like utah in this game i prefer the under though i think that's where we could see this game like i think that's probably the best way to attack it because it is a big number to lay i think northwestern's probably going to run to utah's just absolute buzzsaw defense northwestern 108th in pass blocking grade taking on a Utah defense that's 19th in tackling, 18th in sacks, and 13 in yards per carry allowed. I just don't see much offense for Northwestern in this one. That being said, Vele's far and away their best receiver. He's not going to play in this one, even with Bryson Barnes. Not sure Utah's putting up big points in this one. Utah's 114th in red zone touchdown percentage. And Northwestern's top 10 in explosive pass rate, top 37 in explosive run rate. So I think this game's going to be kind of boring. I, I like oh, Utah yeah. to win like a slugfest. I just think Utah's much better, and I think they're going to benefit from the drop in competition. But under is how I'm looking at this one. I like the under 41 and a half. I mean, if we're talking to my point, 
if we're talking this being a Big Ten West game in spirit with how Utah has played this season, what is our rule about Big Ten West? If it's a touchdown or more, you take the dog. Take so it's a touchdown, so I'm taking the dog, obviously. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Principal play. That's fair. <laughs> Let's close out shop, though. Let's go Hawaii Bowl. Saturday night, 1030 in Honolulu. The Siobhan Cordero return game, the Hawaii transfer, San Jose State quarterback, uh, returning home take on Coastal Carolina, who will not have Grayson McCall for this game, announced today, transferring to North Carolina State. Also won't have um, the running back Beasley or their number two receiver, is it Brown, I believe is his last name. Uh, Yes, Brown, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, sorry. I was was digging it up as well, but yes. No, you're good. San Jose State should have a few more – Key players, they won't be without their starting left tackle, Fernando Carmono, but should have pretty much everyone. San Jose State closed the year on an absolute heater. They won their last six games and put up 35 or more in five of those wins. Uh, They're laying 10 in the Hawaii Bowl against a coastal team that, even without McCall, showed that they were pretty capable on offense anyway. It's likely going to be the freshman Vasco in this one. Cody, what are your thoughts here as we close out the first part of our bowl special yeah so i can't touch that 10 nine and a half number whichever you can find it at because that's just a little rich for my blood given that we've seen coastal be competent without mccall but i'm gonna trust san jose state's offense i'm taking their over team total over 31 and a half i you like you just said they scored 35 points pretty consistently over this backstretch of the season and this coastal defense has been the problem with this coastal team why they weren't on the level that we're used to coastal seeing seeing Coastal be at. Uh, This Coastal defense ranks 94th in defensive success rate this season. They're 101st in uh, success rate against the run. I think that San Jose State, with their offense, with Cordero, I think that on a track that he's obviously familiar with, I think that we're going to see him make that adjustment probably easier than Coastal Carolina. That's a long trip for the Chanticleers from Myrtle Beach to Hawaii. So I just think that there's a lot of advantages for San Jose State coming this game. If I were to pick a side against the spread, it would probably be the San Jose State side. But I think the one thing I'm most confident in is them scoring points. And so I'm taking their over team total. Yeah, I agree. I think we're looking at this the same way. This spread is just too far out for me. A team I was mm-hmm. looking to play on in San Jose State, I just I can't lay this number. I personally like the over in this game, 53 and a half. Vasco to me looked more than confident. Yeah. Only scored 14 against James Madison, but put up 28 against Old Dominion and 31 against Texas State, two really strong defensive lines. San Jose State doesn't have a good defensive line. Uh, no. They're also uh, the worst red zone touchdown defense in the entire country. Opponents are scoring a touchdown on 83% of trips inside the 20. So I think Coastal yeah, Carolina, their offense has proven to be capable. They still have their number one receiver in Pickney. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. On the other side, though, all the points you laid out, I completely agree with San Jose State. I think they're going to put up big numbers. I just personally went for the over in this one instead of the team total. But uh, I am I think we are, you know, eye to eye oh, on absolutely. the over. Yeah, 100%. Like, I can see the reason I'm not taking the side is because I can see Coastal hitting their team total over, which would obviously get the over. So I'm a little scared of that. So that's why I'm taking the San Jose State side. But I think the, the forecast is points in Hawaii for uh, the 23rd. For sure. And there you have it. Went a little bit more than the uh, the usual hour, but we handed out picks starting from December 16th, the beginning of bowl season, all the way through the first week of games to December 23rd. Now, we're going to be back next week 
for the remainder of the bowl games, December 26th through the 1st, and the college football playoff semifinals will be included. So we're back for another episode next week. I know not all the games from the first episode will be done, but I think everyone will get the gist. We're going to hit all 43 games on this fine program stack in the box. So, again, you want to ride any of those picks. We're not giving you the recap this time. If you Maybe we'll do a graphic or something, but we're not running through all those picks again. No. Uh, if you want to ride any of those bets, make sure to sign up for Sleeper. If you're watching on YouTube, use the promo code in the top left or use the promo fansided and the number two. When you sign up for Sleeper, uh, you will get a $100 deposit match. Until then, Cody, I will talk to you next Wednesday when we run through plenty, plenty, plenty more bowl picks. Hopefully, we get off to a hot start this bowl season, and I'll talk to you next week. Happy bowl season, man. I'll see you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.